and we are live! Hey, hi everyone! Welcome for another episode of the Puppet Podcast. I'm so happy because we get a legend tonight, someone really amazing. I, I'm so excited about meeting this wonderful person online in a live interview. Like it's the community all together. So everyone who was watching who are watching just feel free to write into the chat any question from where you're watching it and yeah just be cheerful about what's going on yes so before i bring my wonderful guests into the screen i want to share with you this promotion we do a wonderful workshop on um september 6th it's in the afternoon, so it's a Sunday, and it's about like Mr. Leo. This puppeteer is, is a, an example of a, a warrior who go outdoor and, and book some outdoor puppet show, like between April to July, he have done like 57. Like how you he managed that. I'm so curious about that, how he gets so productive in this period where we we were like all over the place so this guy have something to share with everyone so i want everyone to have a look on this and look at the patreon so here is all of those wonderful questions how he managed to create a constant flow of promotion online and how he get jobs and 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 get this business going about puppetry during the confinement so have a look on on this patreon uh, account that we start and yes we will enjoy this wonderful workshop really soon it will be september 6 at 1 eastern time okay so here is the promotion about our puppet podcast i have also ellie with me right there who is filming and putting it on instagram so we are all over everyone tonight i'm so glad that i have someone from montreal but he left montreal when he was young eight years old and he get into show business big time with puppetry and he have a lot to say about that so everyone please welcome into the screen mr sid croft Hey, thank you. Thank you so much. Applause, applause, applause. Applause, applause. I mean, is there a big audience out there? I can hear them. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they are thousands. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Everyone are at their house. And, they, and they you want to know something? As a performer, we love a big audience. We love applause. And we love taking a bow. Yeah. <laughs> totally true. I yeah. really... I really miss this time, like it's, but we will get this back. Oh yeah, I can, I can almost see the light. It's going to happen soon. Yes, and, and Sid, I want you to introduce yourself to the people who are maybe new to the, the podcast, don't know maybe that much about puppetry. Maybe you can tell us a little bit of your path to puppetry. Well, first of all, <laughs> You're looking at somebody that's been in show business for 80 years, believe it or not. I'm 91 years old. I'm still working in the world of puppetry. Um, I created uh, with my brother 
uh, 26 huge television shows here in America, and and a lot of them played in Canada and all the other English-speaking countries, uh, because you do speak English and French. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and um, but how did it all start? Well, our whole family uh, came to America from Montreal. I was born in Montreal. And we came here for the first time to spend the summer uh, in uh, Rhode Island. In New York area. Uh, well, uh, Rhode Island, Rhode Island, oh. near Newport Beach, actually. Yeah. It was a little island, and there was a tiny house that my parents rented. It was $25 a month. Don't forget, this is 1938. $25 <laughs> was a lot of money then. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so anyway, um, this is way before I was even interested in puppets. I was eight years old, and um, we decided to stay a little longer that year because it was a beautiful summer. And, um, and we were caught September 21st, our family and that island and all of the East Coast had one of the biggest hurricanes ever. And everybody on our street, we lived on a very long, long street, and there were all mansions on the street. We didn't live in a mansion. Uh -huh. and, uh, and we were the only family that made it because everybody uh, drowned and because they, they didn't know or never experienced anything like that. Mm -hmm. And we moved, we moved to Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah. And we had nothing. I mean, just the clothes on our back. And uh, in 1939, we were living in a little tiny apartment. Uh, and, and there was a couple that uh, were actually French that lived ab above us. And they didn't have any children, and they like uh, sort of adopted me because <laughs> I was a dreamer, a total dreamer, even at a very young age. And this couple uh -huh. had a job, and they gave us all their hand-me-downs. And he had a job opening and closing a curtain in a theater downtown in Providence, Rhode Island. And he invited me, I never saw a full length movie at that age. And he invited me if I got there at six o'clock in the morning, the movie was going to premiere at eight o'clock. And I went backstage and he snuck me into the theater. And I'm just nine years old. Uh -huh. and, and I saw The Wizard of Oz, the first day the first performance, and I totally freaked out as a kid because I never saw anything like it. I knew I wanted to be in that business, but I knew I wasn't an actor and I was too tall to be a little munchkin. And so um, there was something about it that intrigued me. Why? A week later, 
This is an interesting story. He, he gave me one ticket to go to see a vaudeville show, a live show. Yeah. And it came from California, was called the Megalyn Kitties. This is the woman that found Ju uh, 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 Shirley Temple and, and all the kids stars. And, and they did a stage show, all these little kids. And my dad dropped me off and asked a couple to bring me into the theater. And, uh, and he would pick me up after the show. And the show started with these tap dancing kids that came down a staircase and they must have had, um, well, they had their toe, you know, the metal on their toes, but the staircase, as they danced down, I never saw anything like this again. Sparks came from their feet. And I, to this day, couldn't figure it out. Okay, then the stage went dark and the spotlight hit a, a, a suitcase on the middle of the stage. I couldn't, I could see the puppeteer in silhouette. And of course it was a kid and the suitcase opened up and a little clown came out of the suitcase and, it, and the music was playing, it blew up a balloon and the balloon broke and the clown got real sad. And I started to cry so loud that the whole audience told me to shut up. <laughs> and I was spoiling the performance and the ushers came down and asked the couple that brought me in, is this your kid? And they said, no, we just brought him into the theater. And, and they threw me out. They asked me to leave and I'm still crying. I'm sitting in front of the theater and people are walking by saying to me, oh, uh, where's your mom? Where's your dad? Should we call the police? And I couldn't even answer them. You know, I was crying so loud for this clown. <laughs> okay, now, there was a kid on my street that had the first comic book. Um, and it was a... Superman comic book. And in we would look at it every single day, but we never turned to the back of the comic book. And one day we did, and there was an ad for a hazel marionette, $3.95. I went to my dad and I said, could I please get this marionette? And he said, he was furious with me. <laughs> and he said, first of all, $3.95 is going to feed your family for weeks. And second, you are a boy and you want a dolly. And I never, ever forgot that. That stuck in my head, you know, screaming it at me. Now, mm -hmm. our parents never hit us or anything like that. But you knew when they got mad. Okay, especially my dad. So now, in the in that comic book, uh, there was also an ad. If you send away for Christmas cards, a hundred Christmas cards, and sell them for fifty cents, you could keep a nickel. I didn't tell my family, and I sent away. I'm I'm almost ten years old. I sent away. I ran down to the 
mailbox every day waiting for the package. And after school, it took me from July, probably to Christmas time, to save $3.95. You know, I sold my Christmas cards in the street. And then I'm going to show you, I still have the marionette. I'm going to show it to you later. Uh, it's, a, it's a big tease, right? It's a big tease. Everyone stay until the yeah, end. Yeah, don't you turn off, you know? Don't go to another channel because you're going to hear some really crazy stories. Eighty <laughs> years I have. You know, we just got a star on the Walk of Fame before all this craziness happened. Yeah. And there were so many people there. I mean, 900 people showed up. They never saw anything like it. And I don't know why. People slept overnight. I'm not a movie star. I don't know why they wanted to be so close to look at this old gentleman, but it was amazing. The fans, we, we have a lot of fans out there. Uh, okay, to back to the story. <laughs> so I got my marionette. That French couple gave me a Victroller for Christmas that you wound up. And I stole the record from my mom, a singer that she liked. And now I went into the street. I'm self-taught. I know nothing about puppetry. And I'm in the street every day selling my Christmas cards with my music and my little puppet that I'm going to show you. And now I am selling, I'm making 75 cents a day, 50 cents a day. Now my dad caught on and he became my manager. <laughs> I was I was supporting the family, you know. With, and now I'm a street performer, like like Cirque du Soleil. That's how they started in the street, right? Yeah. So now I'm a street performer with my little marionette. And guess which one I send away for? Her name is Dolly because my dad said, you want a dolly? And when I saw dolly, I thought, okay, I'm gonna misbehave my dad and I'm gonna get dolly. Okay, so that's how I started. Yes. And now after that, I saw ads, there, there was a, a paper, Billboard. Billboard is now music, but Billboard used to be circuses and uh, carnivals, yeah. and 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 that's what it was all about. And there were always ads in there, people selling marionettes. And I saved up, and I would buy a, a more professional one, and a bigger one, and a bigger one. I and I by myself put my act a little act together. I got an agent. I was making two bucks a show or three bucks a show. Oh, we were millionaires because I was a puppeteer supporting the family. And so that's how it all started. And in 1945, I came to New York. Our family moved to New York. And uh, my agent in Providence, Rhode Island got me this two-bit agent in the Brill Building, that all he had was a, a, a pad, a pencil.
pencil, a telephone, and a couple of pictures behind them on the wall. And I auditioned with my Victrola and in his office. And he said to me, you got to get rid of the Victrola. And I don't like your name. It's not going to look good on the marquee. And, uh, and he changed my name to Sid Croft. He did that. Oh. He, got, he got it out of my real name. Okay. And then he told me, I have to go get sheet music. And I said, I don't know anything about sheet music. And he said, well, you really picked some great music on your Victrola. You'll, you'll know what to do. And I said, well, what do I tell the orchestra or the band? He said, just tell them to play as written. And that's very professional. And I also want you to go get a theatrical haircut for 25 cents. I, don't know, I didn't understand it. So guess where he booked me first with my puppet act? In a nightclub in New Jersey, I was only 14 years old, <laughs> right? And you gotta be 18 or 21. I don't know what the law was. And the owner walked into the club while I was rehearsing the, for the first time my music and my dad was now my manager because we were going to make, we were booked there for six days, $10 a night, $60. I never made $60. That was like a fortune right? for the whole week. And the owner came in and said, who's that kid up on the stage to the bartender? And the bartender said, that's your act. He said, get him out of here. I don't want to lose my license. So my dad didn't want to lose the 60 bucks. And he went up to him and he said, look, it's Halloween in a couple of days. If we put a mask on him, I'm a little tiny skinny kid. <laughs> and we put it, cause I'm all dressed in black doing my act. If we put a mask on him, hide him in the kitchen and tell everybody he's deformed or he's a little person or whatever you want, right? And they kept me for the whole week locked up in the kitchen. And guess what the mask was? It was Dracula, a Dracula mask <laughs> with my black pants and my black shirt doing my act. And it was a big, big hit. And then after that, he books me in the Catskill Mountains. And, uh, you know, there's all, all the hotels up there and all the Jewish people in in New York, that's their summer vacation place to go. And uh, I got $10 a night there. And I got to tell you a funny story, an elevator story. The first place I played was in this little sort of crappy hotel. And yeah, and, uh, and I did my act and then they give you a room and they feed you in, in the hotel. And, um, and what happened was I'm on the elevator and a woman comes on the elevator. I think it only had five floors. And she looks at me and she said, are you the boy with the puppetsy schmuppetsies? And before I could answer her, I said, she said, who makes the dresses, your mother? And I, I couldn't even answer. She said, so where did you get the dolls in Woolworth? 
are you married? I said, I'm 14 years old. And she said, well, wait until you meet my daughter in the lobby. She's 15 and she looks like Elizabeth Taylor and she dances like Rita Hayward. And the elevator door opened up and there was her daughter. I don't mean to be mean, but she looked like the bride of Frankenstein. And she handed me her key to her room. 14, she's 15. She said, anytime you want her, in front of her mother, anytime you want to come in and visit me. So that's my beginning of my career stories. And you know, um, I built my, my own act. I knew nothing about other puppeteers. In, in 1946, I did go to the Puppeteers of America in Connecticut because it was after the war and they didn't have uh, those conventions or whatever they called them. And, uh, and I, I was asked to go and perform there. So that was like my first time that I ever met other puppeteers like Bill Baird, and Frank Paris and, you know, Tony Sarge, you know, had a theater in New York, but I was very young and I did meet him. I think he died in 1943 or something like that. <laughs> and then, um, you know, puppetry brought me to travel all over the world and I was chosen as the opening act for her first national tour, the biggest star in the world, Judy Garland. And I was her opening act. I toured with her. We didn't go to Montreal, Montreal, <laughs> but, we did, but we did go to Toronto. I don't know why we didn't go to Montreal. Mm. And we, you know, toured the entire country and, uh, and I also did a number with her, the, you know, the tramp number with a, with a puppet. But when I work with stars, I used to build puppets of them and, and I would do my act and then they would do theirs. Then I'd come back and do a number with them, with the puppet that looks like them. Yeah. So, yeah. And so I did that with, I toured with Liberace. Uh, for almost two years, we went to Australia, all over the world. I mean, uh, and I posted. You know, I'm on, I'm on Instagram. Yeah, everyone, you are really welcome to follow Sid on Instagram. No, no, no. You need to follow me, and you need to. I'll tell you why. Because the reason I did it, I'm writing my book, and I've only been on for a few months, and I came on and said. You know, I'm I'm writing my book. I don't know how long it's going to take to uh -huh. write it. I'm not asking you to buy it, but I want to share my incredible history with all of you because yeah. I don't care if you're a puppeteer or whatever you do, if you're in show business or out of show business, you know, maybe you can find some experience that I had and apply it to your dreams. And that's why I went on Instagram. I started with uh, 500 
followers and and now I have over 6,000. But the puppeteers, they came out because the fans on our television shows, Puffin' Stuff and all the other uh-huh. loss and all those shows that we did, they I'm just beginning to talk about all of that. But I go live every Sunday at 3 o'clock. So uh, I'm on Instagram, Sid Croft, 2 x and a T. Yes. Okay. Yeah, you need to follow. <laughs> That's yeah. so hey, cool. Okay, so ask me some questions. Yeah. I'm so Let's go yeah. into the deep question that I okay. always ask. The okay. first is the why. Why do you cherish the art of puppetry? I know nothing, absolutely nothing else. It's in my blood. Um, I love puppetry, and if you watch any of our shows, you know, the Brady Bunch or Donnie Marie or all those shows that we did. We did 26 series and 22 hour specials. And every one of them has puppets in it. You know, in Puff and Stuff, it's people in costumes. That's puppetry, you know. So I just, I live and breathe puppetry. And you know, I, I do want to say something. I've discovered, I've been all over the world. So I've seen the most incredible puppetry ever, you know, and everywhere, you know, because I, I've traveled as far as Egypt and, and you know, the Arabic countries and uh-huh. with my act, with my act. And so I've seen all kinds of puppetry and the talent that's out there in the world is beyond amazing. We all know, hey puppeteers out there, it's the first form of entertainment. That's how entertainment started. And I think that puppetry, you know, animatronics, and uh, there's 50 kinds of puppetry, more than 50. You know, it's just not marionettes. It's uh-huh. way beyond that. And and it's just inspires me that, you know, that the world, well, everybody on the planet knows the word puppet. Yeah. They either made one there when they were a kid or, you know, they, uh, they know what a puppet is. Yes. You know, True. even in countries that, you know, don't have television or even radio. They make puppets to keep yes. them company, you know, and to uh, show their personality or whatever. I mean, puppets, I love puppets. I love puppets, yeah. That's great. I, I yeah. share this passion and it's great because we get some question from the audience who are watching oh, wow i can answer every question you know when when i when we did we've also got a lifetime achievement emmy and my brother always says to me don't do more than two minutes and i always say to him if i've been in the business 80 years give me a minute for every 10 years one minute <laughs> but i have so many stories that's why you gotta tune in and Instagram. We have a blast every Sunday. And I really tell you the secret of my life. Yeah. In yeah. Only in puppetry. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, go ahead. Question. Yeah. I, I want to, before we go to the audience question and feel free everyone to write it down. I would bring it. I want to know in your opinion, what will be the best field of study to become a puppeteer? Like maybe in our time, like right now. Uh, what, how, how, how the would that of study, like what, what is the best to know to become puppeteer? Well, hey, you want to know something? Use me as a guinea pig. I knew nothing, absolutely nothing about puppetry. I saw a puppet and I spoke to someone yesterday that owns a huge company. They employ hundreds of people, an animatronic company here in Nashville. And he started as a puppeteer. And you know what? He said, I was eight years old. I saw the Muppet movie, the yeah. first Muppet movie. And I knew that's what I wanted to be when I grew up. And his passion, my I had such passion for, I knew nothing, absolutely nothing. My first job in a vaudeville theater, this man came backstage and he said to me, you know, I'm a famous artist, but puppetry is my, my hobby. Yeah. Who are you? Where did you come from? I know every puppeteer. And, you know, how did you learn to do that? Who showed you? I said, I, I learned it all myself. Yeah. And, it made, and it makes it more original. Don't copy <laughs> someone, you know? I mean, it was amazing, the stuff that I did. In 1939, I went to the New York World's Fair. And you know what? That incredible fair... But all day I spent at the Wrigley building because they had a, a robot. No one ever saw a robot. And this robot, uh, that's a puppet, right? I studied that robot all day long, you know? And yeah. then in my act, I, in my puppet act, I had a puppet of me that worked a puppet that juggled and it didn't work. It was my encore. It didn't work. And the orchestra stopped. The old Cirque du Soleil trick. You know, the trapeze, she misses the trick. That's all stage to make the audience crazy. Okay, so I know all those vaudeville old tricks. So the orchestra would stop. I reload the puppet. And then it would start again, and it didn't work. So what did I do? The puppet that was working the puppet threw the puppet down, the control. So the puppet collapsed. I threw the control down of the puppet of me. It picked up the little puppet and it walked off by itself. That was my encore. And I never came back for a bow again, you know, and that was it. So, so you see, it all came from the robot. Yeah. And I found this guy, this, uh, uh, he was Japanese. He built robots. This is in 1952 or something, 52. Mm. Yeah. And he built that for me. <laughs> That's so, an impressive yeah, yeah. story. Oh, no. So, so what I'm saying, you know, yeah, there are incredible books out there, but, you know, I, I have I have all those books, but I don't think I ever looked in them, you know? 
I just figured things out myself. That puppet that blew up a balloon, that blew me away. How did he do that? You know, but I thought that puppet was a real little person or I wouldn't have cried when the balloon broke, you know? So that's how it all started. Mm -hmm. And now you're listening to, they call me the grandfather of puppetry. And, you know, and to tell you the truth, I wasn't a great, great puppeteer, you know, but I was a great, and I hate to say this, I'm not on an ego trip, an incredible showman, because I knew there was something that I was born with. I knew if it was too long, that's something that I see all the time. You know, they'll play a whole record. Don't do that. I, I suggest that whatever the tricks that the puppet can do, cut it in half, take it away from the eye and go to the next thing, you know? Because things can become too long. And especially today, people just don't have the patience. Mm. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, I constantly see numbers that are just incredible, but just a little bit too long. Get rid of that. And, and I knew how to do that as just a kid. When I had that record with the puppet that I'm going to show you, should I show you the puppet? My first puppet. I think we we want to see it for sure. If you okay. if you want, uh, no, at the end. We'll yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to take the question also of okay. the audience, okay. so maybe. Okay. After, but um, yeah, uh, I want to bring this one. It's Paul Louis who asked, "Hi, Sid. How did you come up with the idea of uh, for HR puffin stuff?" HR Puffin stuff, there was a show. Hey, thank you, Paul, for being a fan. There was a show at the San Antonio World's Fair for the Coca-Cola Company. You know, we had puppet shows in all the Six Flag parks. We employed every year at least 150 puppeteers. We also had a school in Los Angeles. It was free a puppet school because we had to develop puppeteers for all of our shows. And uh, and it, they were all sponsored by Coca-Cola. Wow. Okay. There was a character in the San Antonio fair. His name was Luther. And the shows were musicals, you know. And, but I had a very thin story. And that was about this, character that was a superhero and he was changed into a dragon and the only way he could be changed back is to be kissed by someone but nobody wants to kiss a dragon you know i didn't tell that story i used that as my thread in in that musical that we did that last uh, 25 minutes we did 12 shows a day in that theater. And people waited hours, couldn't get in to see it. It was the number one attraction. So when we did the banana splits, that was our first show. Uh, the network said to us, oh, wow, you guys are insane. Come up with your own show. Because that was Hanna-Barbera, the banana split. 
and all we did was design and build the costumes. So we took that character that didn't have arms and we changed the color and he became Puffin Stuff. And Puffin Stuff, that name came from a big hit song, Puff the Magic Dragon. That was the big, big song of that year or many years. And that's where I got Puffin Stuff from. And HR, he was the mayor of Living Island. And HR is not, doesn't mean hand rolls. It means, you know, uh, he was the mayor. So the Royal Highness and I, I spun it around and called him HR Puffin Stuff. And that is our Mickey Mouse of our company you know that's our trademark yes that's how that started yeah okay go ahead i did the next one is um hi, another sid. it's mura uh, montero hi sid what is the main thing you look for when casting walk around well you know in our days we didn't have air conditioners in there. It was a nightmare in our walk around costume. And we had many. We started that because in my puppet shows, I'm going to tell you a secret. In the puppet shows, every puppet show had a little person in a costume or in a mask looking like a marionette on strings. And he used to, we did a grand guignol there was always like a big horror number in Les Poupées de Paris. And he would rip his strings down from the bridges with the control. And he'd start walking out of the stage over the orchestra pit, the puppet orchestra pit. And a little elevator would take him down. He'd walk up the aisle. And I had a trap door in the theater floor. And in the dark, I would just drop them into the trap door so people would freak out. They didn't know what happened to him, you know, and we go to the next number. So because of that, even before Disney put Mickey Mouse in a suit, we were doing that. Uh -huh. That's why Hannah Barbera came to us to do the banana splits. So in those days, it was a nightmare. I, w I would never get in a suit, but now they have little air conditioners in there and, you know, and it's totally a whole different world, but you still can't stay in it more than, you know, there's a time period. Yes. yes. Okay. And I want to, um, to have a question for you about the future, like, um, where do you see puppetry in 10 years? Oh, well, I won't be around. But <laughs> <laughs> you, Come on. Well, you, say, you don't live forever, you know. I no, but, but maybe I, you have a vision of the future. My vision, okay. It has nothing to do with me. Are you <laughs> kidding? Okay. This is going to be the first time. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I'm working on something so huge it's probably the biggest thing that I have ever done. And it's all about bringing all the puppetry together in the world. And 
you can't imagine the people I have. We haven't introduced it yet, but it's going to be huge. It's so original and it's so different. And I said earlier, I'm not on an ego trip. There's no reason for me to be, you know, I've done it all, but this is the most exciting project that I've ever worked on. And it all happened because of Instagram, because I started hearing from puppeteers from Russia and Canada and Brazil and New Zealand and Australia and all over the world reaching out to me because I haven't spoken to them my whole career. And now I'm, I'm doing that. And, you know, it's, it's just amazing. The talent out there, just hang on because after this craziness, you know, goes away. I know you locked us out of your country. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you did because uh, we need to work out our own problems. We're not going to bring them to you. <laughs> <laughs> I love Canada. I just love, love Canada. <laughs> You've got to be so proud of your country. I love America. <laughs> yeah. That, that's interesting. You, you, It's so a lot of curiosity gets involved, like, as you said that, like, because I feel also the, the future and I think no. great connection and you're part of this. No, I've got to tell you something. Puppetry, it hasn't been first form of entertainment and it hasn't really been recognized because, hey, there's 50, 50. I wrote down and I know there's more. I missed some, you know? Yeah, yeah. Who are the next Muppet? <laughs> Who are? That's the question. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. Okay. So for the conclusion, do you want to bring your secret puppet that you made? My have? secret puppet. Okay. <laughs> That's Dolly. Dolly. Maybe, yeah, maybe you can. Well, she came. Oh, wait, 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 wait. She came in, in this box. Look. <laughs> you still have it. She's okay. a, a talking marionette. She's a talking marionette. She came in this box 80 years ago, <laughs> 80 years ago. Okay, wait a minute. Um, look at her. Oh my God. Isn't she great? Yes. And, and her mouth moves. Look at that, because oh. she's a talking puppet. Three, she costs $3.95. So and, good. She she is And in, look at the good condition she's in. Yeah. For for 80 years old. You know, her legs and her whole body. And she's only got seven strings, but she works great, you know. <laughs> oh. oh I can't work, you know, I don't have a a desk to put her on. But yeah. anyway, that's Dolly. Okay. That's Dolly. Do you have any more questions be, before we go off? Have we been on a long time? Yeah, we are at, at the 43 minutes. No way. I'm so sorry. I talk too much. 
<laughs> I told you, give me a minute for every 10. <laughs> every 10 minutes. But you yeah. are a legend, Sid. That's why. Right. Thank you so much. That's Thank why you. you have so much to say. And and that's good that you get, like, we connect and you get the chance to talk to the Puppet Podcast community. And Well, I don't want to be plugging myself, <laughs> but I'm going to. Before yeah, I go that's the place for. Sunday, three o'clock, I go live. You look on, I you're going to see pictures of my puppets, my act when I was 14 years old. I did my act on ice in Sonia Henney's ice show next to Radio City Music Hall. I was in a circus, Ringling Brothers, when the big top sat 15,000 people in the freak show. I was the world's youngest puppeteer, 15 years old. I mean, you'll see all that. Pull it up and follow me. Yeah, because that excites me. I answer and ask me questions. I answer everybody. I, even if I, you know, we have 30 million fans out there. That's what TV Guide said. But I only have uh, 6,000 followers because I've only been on a couple of months. And they haven't found me yet. They're more interested in, I don't know. People well, will find you. It's always a, a matter of like connection. And yeah. I hope the Puppet Podcast helped you to connect all of those puppeteers who are, are all around because okay. we that the purpose of also the podcast is to to bring the community together so we get people from India watching the show. So maybe oh, I, I have somebody come. from India too. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's a it's amazing. Have you seen that puppeteer that sits on the floor? And does the uh, the karate or no the uh, what is it? Yeah, it's a piece of fabric. Fabric. Oh no, it's amazing. It's just amazing. Uh, yeah. He has his bare feet. It's I I can't even describe it. You know, there's yeah, we'll, so much talent out there. It's, yes, it's, we must exchange all the good cue and the good thing we yeah. we saw up there. Did you all see King Kong on Broadway? No, I look at some preview and oh, stuff, oh my, but it seems amazing. It's just unbelievable. You saw it? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Puppetry, I'm not gonna miss that. Yeah. That's what people went to see. It was yeah. worth the $250 a ticket because they all came to see the puppet. So yeah. see, puppets are, very famous and popular and you know people love puppets and then thank you so much thank, for you. Me on. thank you and uh if you want me to come back i will you know yes and, for tell, sure. you more, and tell you more Yes. So stay in the virtual studio. We will talk. I will set the conclusion and we could chat a little bit after the interview. Okay. Yeah, I stayed there. Everyone, we get a blast. Oh my God, with Sid Crop the legend. So as I told you, just have a look on the Patreon. If you haven't said that about the podcast, uh, the workshop that we do with Mr. Leo also, we, we want to have everyone the knowledge of this online promotion. So Mr. Leo is really an example of promoting also himself. He grow 
a lot online, but also he, he done some production, some shows out there. So yeah, have a look on this link. It's just below uh, the interview. It's just right. Boom. And uh, yes, everyone, thank you so much for watching and supporting the podcast. And as I always said, we will see you next week for another episode of the Puppet Podcast. So see you, everyone. Learn how to get your first 1,000 YouTube subscribers. Join our Patreon page now. Link in the description.